With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everybody? And welcome into another edition of B-Shape Daily. My name is Brennan Schaefer, alongside you here on a Sunday evening, wrapping up a Cardinals series sweep over the Colorado Rockies at Bush Stadium this weekend on the final day of the 17 games in 17 days as the Cardinals have been grinding away, mostly at home, over the last couple of weeks with 14 home games split apart only by three road games that they played last weekend in Pittsburgh. Of course, it wasn't a game every day because they did have the one rainout and the doubleheader to follow earlier on the homestand against the Mets. But ultimately, the Cardinals knew this would be a spot in their season that would be a test because you go 17 and 17, you have to plan your pitching, you have to be spot on, you can't afford for your starters to be doing what they did essentially at the beginning of the season when they were reliant so much on the bullpen, throwing lots of innings. And you have to figure out a way to, to grind through those kinds of games and that kind of stretch. And the Cardinals did exactly that, wrapping it up today with the sweep and a 2 nothing win over the Rockies. And that ends up being quite the capper for a stretch in which the Cardinals go 13-4. and They take over first place in the National League Central, clear of the Brewers now by a couple of games and a half game up on the Giants as they go to bed on Sunday for the best record in the National League. So these St. Louis Cardinals, I think you've got a lot to be excited about with this club. You're starting to see the starting pitching really come together in a lot of ways, especially from kind of the the workhorses of the staff that you anticipated being there. Jack Flaherty, Adam Wainwright showing over their last couple of starts just how good they can be. Flaherty getting to 6-0 with his win over the Rockies earlier this weekend. A phenomenal effort by him on the mound. Had a lot of fun against Austin Gomber at the plate, hitting the home run. Uh, He got all of that. And if you saw initially, I tweeted out, I just, I I had a brain fart and looked down, you know, was looking on my computer. I glanced back and saw the swing. And I just started typing out a tweet about Nolan Arenado hitting a home run. Because that's how impressive the swing by Jack Flaherty was on Friday night. So, you know, Jack Flaherty had some fun with that. But on the mound, he was exceptional as well continuing to get a little bit of run support as he's gotten for the most part this season. And he improves to 6-0, and which is the best record for a starting pitcher to this point in the major leagues. He's leading, leading everybody, and as of Friday, it was by two games. I don't know if anybody had even gotten to five by that point. I'm sure somebody has now. But Flaherty looking good, exactly how you expect him to look. Uh, based on kind of the vintage form that he had established for himself toward the end of 2019. He's pitching that way. And look, it's not to say that he wasn't the same talented guy pitching pretty well in 2020. The ERA, as we've talked about, if you throw out the one start against Milwaukee, that was an utter disaster where he gave up like eight or nine runs. And they had benches clearing and things going a little bit crazy with Yadier Molina, Craig Council. His ERA for last season was like 3.13 if you take out that game. 
Now he's showing with a little bit more of a regular season rhythm the kind of pitcher he is, and he's going deeper into games. He had a seven-inning outing in the win on Friday, getting the ERA down where it belongs and just doing an exceptional job. And then tonight you see Adam Wainwright doing what he's capable of as the Cardinals haven't given him the kind of run support so far this year that they've afforded to Jack Flaherty, but 2 nothing was enough to get it done tonight with a great start from Adam Wainwright. He nearly finishes the job for the second time in three starts. We'll talk about that a little bit, how close he came, and the reason that it didn't end up going the distance for Wainwright today, I think, in part is uh, you, you can credit Wainwright in the way he pitched that ninth inning for the reason the Cardinals were able to win the game. Because if you recall, his last complete game that happened a couple of starts ago, that ended up coming in a loss. Cardinals did not win that game, losing it 2-1. to one. And so for Wainwright to throw the way that he did tonight, but for the Cardinals to get the win, that's the most important thing when you talk to these players who are eager. I mean, these guys, Nolan Arenado, Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, those are the three players that we talked to in the media Zoom postgame on Sunday. And those are three superstar veteran talents that are anxious to win a World Series, especially in the case of Arenado, who's never done it. And these guys are coming together at the right time right now, trying to get things rolling as we, we turned uh, from spring to summer here. Arenado hits a home run in the game today on Mother's Day. Good to see him perform. And uh, he did that with his mom in the stands, and the same can be said for Yachty, who hit a couple of doubles with his, his mom on hand for the game. So a lot of fun had by the families there in attendance at Bush Stadium. Want to touch a little bit on Saturday's win, the Cardinals getting it done 9-8. A little bit of a Coors Field kind of game taking place between the Cardinals and Rockies at Bush. Uh, the offense coming to life in that one with three hits from Paul Goldschmidt, three runs scored, three ribbies, had a bomb of a home run that cleared the bullpen. You remember where Flaherty hit his on Friday. Goldschmidt's cleared the concourse, or I shouldn't say cleared the concourse, cleared the bleachers to get to the concourse an absolute blast by Goldie would be good to see him start to heat up a little bit. The Cardinals could use that, but wanted to talk about the effort from Carlos Martinez, not quite as sharp as he had been in his previous outings. And I think it's a little bit interesting. I, I totally probably just a, a random fluke or happenstance, but I'd like to see Andrew Kisner behind the dish the next time Carlos gets out there. Uh, Yachty doesn't take many days off, as we know, but... You can understand that they might want to keep him a little more fresh and healthy given the foot concern that he had just coming off of the injured list. If you're going to give him a day, you might as well have it be when Carlos starts just simply because the success has been there with Kisner behind the plate and so far this season not quite as successful with Yachty behind the plate. Not a detriment to anything Yachty's doing, and like I said, it could just be a random fluke. But I I think there could be a little bit something to the idea of for Carlos just in the, in the way of keeping his focus, having to be maybe a little bit outside of his comfort zone. He obviously would be so comfortable with Yachty, but to just kind of reset his his mental game a little bit with Kisner, just a, a new fresh face back there, I don't know that there's any rhyme or reason to it, but Carlos had been so pinpoint with his command, had, had kept the walks down, had been really efficient uh, his last couple of starts with Andrew Kisner back there, and then this last outing he walked five guys, uh, a trend that you don't want to see. for You can't be successful over the long haul with those kinds of walk totals. So I'm just throwing that out there. I don't have a whole lot to say about uh, that outing from Carlos Martinez, but I, I do think that it would be interesting to see 
Maybe if they could establish a little bit of a rhythm, see, just see what it looks like with Kisner again. Or if, you know, it just happens to be Carlos is, is just not as consistent as we'd like him to be, and he's going to have those games where he walks some guys. I'm just I'm just thinking ahead a little bit. I'd be interested to see. I know some social media chatter people have said, you know, you might as well keep sticking him with Kisner. And Mike Schilt was asked the question uh, last week uh, when, when Yachty was still on the IL. Obviously, Yachty has since returned, but... Um, was asked the question of could that be something they, they look to stick with, and Mike Schilt, in a polite way, answered the question, uh, no, uh, they're, they're going to play Yachty if he can play. So, uh, But I, I think it would be interesting to see if the Cardinals would consider maybe for Carlos's next start, uh, giving Kisner another opportunity, because Kisner did play really well with, with Yachty being out. Um, Yachty has had a remarkable season, just continues to do incredible things at the plate. I mean, in yesterday's game, we talked about the offensive explosion, he was part of that with three runs driven in. And then coming back on Mother's Day, had a couple of doubles for the Cardinals and was uh, primary off in one of their two runs for the day. So Arnato driving in the other with a home run. So his OPS up to 997, that's MVP caliber offensive production from Yadier Molina. If you sustain that over the course of a full season, you're and as a catcher, I think you're in that conversation. It's been quite a few years since Yadi has has been up there on MVP balloting. It happened once or twice, but uh, with that kind of offensive production, it wouldn't, I mean, if you sustain that for the course of the year, which there's no way, right? I mean, uh, OPS up near 1,000, that's remarkable. Betting 329, he's doing a great job and, and looking as good at the plate as he has throughout the course of his career, but uh, I'm just curious about Carlos Martinez. What, what can the Cardinals do to find him some consistency on the mound? Perhaps uh, getting Kisner in the mix a little bit more is... is a way to kind of change his pace and reset his mental game uh, to, to grab the focus that he always uh, talks about wanting to find for himself. So just a little bit of an interesting idea that I kind of thought I should mention in the podcast. But let's get into the game on Sunday, the, the one freshest in the mind. Adam Wainwright doing it again, despite not getting a whole lot of run support, improves his record to 2-3 and three because he doesn't give up anything in this game. And darn near finished it off, goes 8-3, Gets a big strikeout of Trevor Story there to start off the ninth inning. But that's when things went a little bit haywire and he wasn't able to finish a job. Not by anything crazy, though. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like they were hitting him hard. You get Ryan McMahon with a base hit on the first pitch. Wainwright said, if I were able to, if I was able to get McMahon and we had two outs in the inning, I was going to come right after Charlie Blackman, the cleanup hitter for Colorado that, that could have represented the final out of the game. But once Big Man gets aboard with that base hit on the first pitch, you bring in Blackman as the potential tying run and a meeting of the minds on the mound, at, at which point Mike Schilt jogs onto the mound to have a conversation. And as he's doing so, he's going out there pretty briskly, and Wainwright's spot was just about to come up in the batting order, so you knew that if he were being taken out of the game, it would have been a double switch, not with Mike Schilt going directly to the mound. He'd have gone to the umpire like he did eventually when when Wainwright did come out of the game but when he's jogging out there the fans at Bush Stadium are booing Mike Schilt because they want to see Wainwright get the chance to finish off this complete game shutout they talk about it for not very long and you'll, you'll hear a little bit what that conversation was about from Wainwright talking about their plan for Charlie Blackman he said really it was a conversation between he and Yadier Molina it wasn't a whole lot Mike Schilt, other than just making sure he was in on knowing what the plan was going to be for that situation with one out in a two-run game, tying run coming to the plate in the form of the Colorado cleanup hitter. Ultimately, what ends up happening is 
Adam Wainwright. It looks like he's not pitching around Charlie Blackman, but he's not throwing anything over the heart of the plate and ends up walking him on, I believe it was five pitches. He got the 3-0 over the plate, but then walks him on the next one. And at that point, you can just kind of tell it's going to be the end of his day. They go to Ryan Helsley in that situation, and Helsley ends up getting the job done with a double play ball to end the game uh, with Josh Fuentes batting, who is the cousin of Nolan Arenado. Kind of a little bit of a fun tidbit there. Uh, Arenado had a a ball that he hit pretty sharply over to Fuentes earlier at third base in the game. Uh, Made a great defensive stop, but he kind of sailed the throw, allowing Nolan to get in safely uh, with an E5 on the play. So, Uh, Nolan said he wasn't going to give him too much trouble for that unless he tried to start talking trash, and then Nolan might have to bring that up at the next family picnic or whatever the case may be. But that was kind of funny. But back to the conversation and the situation in the ninth inning, you you walked that guy, and it was disappointing if you're watching the game and and just had this emotional swing of Mike Schilt coming out, the crowd booing, Schilt leaving the mound without Wainwright following him, and then everybody cheers the manager as he walks off. Uh, because they want to see Wainwright get the opportunity. And then it's kind of anticlimactic to see the walk take place. But I thought what Wainwright had as his explanation for that situation after the game was pretty interesting and a good insight into uh, what his mentality is on the mound. Here's Adam Wainwright on facing Charlie Blackman as a potential tying run today in the ninth inning as he tried to cap off that complete game shutout. In that situation, I can't, I cannot give in to, uh, to Charlie. He's a great hitter. He, he, Definitely hit the hardest balls off me all day and uh, and has had has had some hits off me in the past. So he's and he's a you know, he's an all star type player. Just can't give in right there. So I'm, I didn't throw the pitches exactly. I wanted to throw when you know, I was trying to get him to fish a little bit just off the corner away and see if he could put a ball on the ground for us. But in that situation, I wasn't giving in. And and uh, unfortunately, I knew if if I saw, you know, we had somebody warming up. I knew if I didn't get him. um I knew I knew I was probably out, but I also knew that passing the baton was better than me being selfish and throwing one over the middle of the plate to their best hitter. So I thought that was interesting perspective, knowing how much it means to Adam Wainwright to be able to finish off a game. He talked about going out to start the ninth and not being able to finish it. That's a tough thing for him to deal with, although getting to start the ninth is a lot better than not getting deep enough to begin the ninth inning. So it's all relative in talking about your satisfaction with an outing. But for Wainwright, the desire to win, to know that one situation and the way to handle it is better for his team's chances than going about it another way and just basically saying, ah, we're going to throw Blackman a pitch and and know he's going to put the ball in play and just kind of take our chances. It's not the way to win a game. And that's an example of having trust in your teammates to be able to pick you up too if you need that kind of pick-me-up, which... You know, they're looking for the double play ball in that inning, and they don't get it. It's the walk to Blackman that ends Wainwright's day. That's when Helsley comes in, speaking to the depth of the bullpen at this point in time, when you've got Reyes and Gallegos, who were down for today after pitching heavily in last night's game, and Jordan Hicks, of course, on the injured list, along with some other of the Cardinals relievers. Helsley, probably the best option they had. They had Cabrera up at one point in time. Uh, but based on the matchups, as as they got deeper into that inning, it ends up being Helsley's opportunity, and he does end up getting the ground ball double play against Fuentes to end the game. And so goes to show that Wainwright, you know, trusts his own skills, of course, but he, he trusts his teammates. And he was the first guy out there to greet Ryan Helsley after that game was over. 
Uh, if you saw the the GIF, I believe Cardinals GIFs on Twitter put it on there, kind of showing Wainwright out there to to congratulate Helsley, and had to be a relief for Wainwright that he saw that game saved, and kind of goes to talk about with you know these milestone moments, which we've seen many of them from Yadier Molina. Adam Wainwright has had his fair share as well. It's always sweeter when you can actually win the game in in those kind of big moments. And for Wainwright, it wasn't exactly a milestone, but it's Mother's Day. Um, everybody's having some some nice moments when we like we've talked about with Arenado and Yadi. And for Wainwright to be able to get that complete game would have been pretty meaningful. But at the end of the day, getting the win was more important, and that's what they end up doing. I asked Mike Schilt about it after the game, after kind of hearing from Wainwright sort of reiterated to Schilt what Wainwright had said to us and just the way he described that situation in the audio that we played just a minute ago. And here's what Mike Schilt had to say just with regard to Wainwright's desire to win coming before his desire to take his best shot at getting the complete game. Yeah, they're here to win. Wayno's one of them. He wants to win. He wants the team to win. He's, look, you don't get this far in your career by not being smart and know how to, know how to win. And that's as important as anything else. And it also speaks to the fact, which I applaud highly, and we have a lot of guys that, that have this mindset, it's team-first mentality. That's exactly what that is. He could have easily said, you know, I'm going to try to get mine, see what the fates, you know, bring us. But he was going to make competitive pitches, otherwise he wasn't going to be in here. But, you know, he's looking to get – I'm sure he told you get you get a double play ball there. And, but he wasn't going to give in. And, um, you know, it was, it was just smart baseball. I mean, the way you, way you want to play the game, he wasn't going to give in to him, going to make a pitch. Um, he didn't bite. And then we went to hell. So, um, but talk about high baseball IQ yesterday, and that's another example of it. That was Cardinals manager Mike Schilt after the game, and you heard it. It's all about the desire to win, and I think Wainwright rushing out there to congratulate Ryan Helsley speaks just as much as as the words that his manager can say about him uh, to show the kind of teammate and player and person that Adam Wainwright is. So. Really cool, a a great win for the Cardinals. As I mentioned, they continue to climb their way into the top of the standings in not only the National League Central, which has has been, I would say, kind of what we expected it to be without any real dominant opponents, aside from the Cardinals having a, a pretty good stretch of late. I've talked about the Milwaukee Brewers being a threat. They're 19 and 16. The Cardinals a couple of games up on them as they head to Milwaukee, beginning a new series there on Tuesday after the day off on Monday. The Cubs sitting at 500. The Reds a game or a half game below. The Pirates start to settle into the kind of team that uh, we expect them to be, five games below 500, sitting in the basement. But across the National League, there haven't really been the dominant teams that you expected. Out west, it hasn't even been the Padres or Dodgers. It's been the Giants that have played. The best baseball on that side of things at 20 and 14, half game behind the Cardinals, as we mentioned. Uh, Cardinals, there's an opportunity here, folks. And, and I would argue to you that the Cardinals have not yet played their best baseball. They're 8 and 2 in their last 10. We talked about 13 of their last 17 over the course of the, the, the stretch of games that we, we knew would be a, a, a serious test for this team coming into it, and they passed it with flying colors, but I would argue the Cardinals offensively have still not risen to the level of consistency that they might be capable of down the road. And it's still a possibility that the Cardinals are just going to be that team that isn't always going to be consistent offensively. We've seen it here for several years and still have have watched the team find ways to successful seasons without regularly putting up those five and six run games 
night after night. They're going to have their games where they don't score as many, and sometimes they're going to win those games like they did tonight with the 2-0 win behind a great outing from Adam Wainwright. So that can kind of be the team they are, but I would argue if they could even just have a little bit more consistency offensively and from certain guys you expect that they might be able to do that, like Paul Goldschmidt, like even Nolan Arenado, who's sitting there with an 851 OPS, I think he can end up being even better than that. He's a guy you expect to be knocking on the door of 900, I would say, on a regular basis. Paul Goldschmidt, though, as we mentioned, still below 700. Uh, Carlson doing about everything you could hope from him. Batting above 300, OPS at 850, you'd take that. Um, Edmund at the leadoff spot, hitting close to 290 with an OPS of 750. Uh, pretty good. You know, you maybe would like to see a little bit higher OPS in general, but if he's going to have that kind of batting average, you take that from your leadoff man for sure. Uh, but Paul DeYoung still batting in the 180s, OPS under 700, uh, and still trying to figure out maybe that last outfield spot. It was Justin Williams on Sunday, and he's still kind of struggling at the dish. Tyler O'Neill has picked up his game offensively a little bit as of late, and Harrison Bader, since he's returned from the injured list, has looked pretty good. And we've referenced Yadier Molina offensively. So up and down the lineup, there's definitely a lot of guys meeting expectations, which I would say is a, a positive benefit and a welcome change from where they were last year when you could argue most of the lineup was below expectations individually. But still from the young spot in the order, uh, maybe that left field spot if, until you see O'Neill do it consistently or, or Justin Williams kind of improve his stock. And Goldschmidt, I think for sure, uh, you expect to, to see him more consistently round into form. There's that opportunity that exists for the Cardinals offense to be better than they've been all bit already. And right now they're a 21-14 team based on what they've done. So I think there's a lot of reason for optimism as the Cardinals move forward. It's hard not to love what they're doing right now. And, and a lot of this has been against teams outside of their division. So that kind of brings us to the next topic and one that we've mentioned before about making sure you take care of business within the division. They've got more games against the Brewers coming up. They'll see the Cubs here pretty soon. The Pirates and Cubs on a homestand later in this month after the Cardinals return from this upcoming road trip. Uh, you're finally going to start to see how they stack up more regularly against these teams in the Central. You do get a trip out to San Diego next weekend. That's going to be really interesting as the Cardinals get a look at the Padres for the first time since last year's NLDS. Padres, of course, got the better of the Cardinals in that series. I, I should correct myself. It wasn't the NLDS. It was a weird year for playoff expansion. It was the wild card series, technically. Cardinals losing two out of three to the Padres in that one. But... They'll get them, but you're going to see the Pirates. You're going to see the Cubs and uh, kind of see how you can stack up against those those divisional opponents a little bit better. Cardinals recently beat up on the Pirates. That's what you're supposed to do to them. Um, how will they stack up against the Brewers in their second series against them on the season is going to be definitely very interesting to see because I, I still maintain that, that Milwaukee team is probably the Cardinals' chief competition within the division. And if you're able to kind of put it on them once again and, and – continue to build that lead out, you could find yourself entering the month of June with a, a pretty substantial lead in the NL Central the way the Cardinals are playing right now. But they've got to go out there and do it on the field, continue to as they have done over the last couple of weeks. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of B-Shape Daily, though. Appreciate you guys for hopping back on the podcast with me after a couple of days off over the weekend. Excited to continue bringing the episodes to you as we ramp up a new week. It, it will be an off day on Monday for the Cardinals, We'll see if there's any reason to do a podcast Monday evening 
anything that we could potentially talk about. If you have topics you'd like to hear discussed, go ahead and leave me a, a listener voicemail message. Head on over to anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message and leave a voicemail that we can discuss on the show. Tonight would be the perfect time to do it, or I should say Monday during the day. If you uh, listen to this podcast and you think of something you'd like to hear discussed on Monday night, maybe we'll go ahead and use it. So let me know. Would appreciate you guys getting involved for sure. And make sure you're subscribed too if you haven't done so already. You can go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Make sure to hit that subscription button so you will catch up on all the latest B-Shape Daily episodes as they are released. It's going to do it for this one. Appreciate you guys once again, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily.